took and, and all the suffering and the sin and all the different stuff that we had to deal with. He took it on Calvary. But he said, if you want to live, you got to die. And then if you die, you got to have resurrection power operating on your life. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Heather, Bill, the worship team, thank you so much. Our ushers, our children's ministry, our nursery. Folks, it takes a lot to make this church work every week. And I want to I want to do something just real quick as you open your Bibles today to to uh, Jeremiah chapter twenty nine. I want you to put your finger there, and I want you to put go over to to uh, Romans eight thirty seven. We need people for our children. We need. We need uh, our nursery workers, people to be in there for our babies, our toddlers. We need people to be in there for our children's ministry, teachers. We have all the material, all the stuff, all the training, all the different things that you would need that you can go in and be a part of this and raise the most innocent in this church, and that's our little ones. And so I, I really... Uh, need folks that will say, okay, God, you called me to serve. Now, I know people say, well, pastor, it's not my calling. And I, I should be very, very blunt with you. The scripture says Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And the minute we get saved, our first responsibility is to serve. And so whatever it might be, you might have the children, you might have the media, you might have the sound, you might have worship, uh, you might have the the ushers, the greeters, different areas uh, that you say, well, I, I kind of would like to do that. We need to get involved. Man, it gets quiet in here when I talk about this. We need to get involved. You can come see me personally. You can come see Pastor Ray or Pastor Bev. Uh, and let them know I I want to get on the list. I would send you directly to the the different team leaders, uh, our ministers. Uh, but sometimes it's just easier just to come see us, and then we'll get you directed in the right way. Are you okay out there? 
Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It'll be on the screen in just a minute. Israel is coming out of bondage. Seventy years of captivity, the Babylonian captivity. We know that because we know it very well by Daniel's lion's den, by Nebuchadnezzar's uh, statue, by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was all part and parcel during the Babylonian uh, uh, captivity. Thank you. You ever have that train show up and it's got the word on board and before you find the word, it leaves the station? Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't the only one. Okay, so so uh, we find Jeremiah writing of this. And they are coming out of the 70 years of captivity and God tells them, he said, guys, I haven't changed my mind. I got the same plans for you on this side before you got yourself into that mess on that side. Now, they got themselves in the mess. And God said, that's okay. Yep, yep, yep. I let you stay there for 70 years just to think about it. There's sometimes that we get ourselves into a mess and God lets it sit there just to think about it. How did I get here? That's kind of one of those rhetorical questions because we already know how we got there. What we're really asking is, God, how do I get out? And God says, now that's the right question. And that question is answered by trusting him. God said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Now, just quickly, I want to touch on what we touched on last week. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers, but why doesn't it feel that way? And as I shared last week, I share again today as we begin, I believe mostly it's because we focus our lives on the problem. We confess the problem. We sit down and bathe in the problem and bask in the problem instead of coming over to the solution. And that solution is if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, why should I fear what man can do? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Like we sang in that song, Resurrection Power. Folks, he won. That means I win. And I don't have to go back there. And we found that in Romans chapter 4, we read the passage last week, that Abraham, against hope, believed hope. Against hope, Abraham believed hope. And I'm going to give you a little definition of faith. A very simplistic definition of faith. Do your best. Let God do the rest. Do your best. Let God do the rest. And your notes in point one last week, we made a statement If you and I have those times that we're unable, don't worry about it. God's still able. When you get yourself into that mess, God said, don't worry. I still have a message. It's the same message that I've always had for you. When you're sitting in that that trial, God said, don't worry. I got triumphant victory. 
and you don't have to be a victim. Are you with me today? Last week I made a statement that too many of us focus. We base our future on our past. And we think we can't do because we haven't done. You know, I started playing guitar when I was 12 years old. I picked up the guitar. I had just turned 12. And it came pretty easy for me. About six months later, I was playing in a band. It just came to me. And then I started picking up different instruments, and they just came to me. And I, I could play several different instruments, and they just came. Do you think that I was smart enough to figure all that out, or do you think God might have given me a gift? Well, the same thing with you, the same thing with me. Is at 11 and 11 months, I couldn't play a guitar. I couldn't do it. Could you imagine what would have happened if I focused on the fact that I'd never done it? You think I could still do it? I have to focus on what he says. Abraham, against hope, believed hope. And if I always look at what I've never done, I will never see what is yet to be done. Can somebody say amen? You and I must learn, as multitudes have learned, the road of success is always, has always, and will always be paved with bricks of failure. I'm going to make a statement. It's not in your notes, but you need to grab a hold of it. Failure. Now grab this. This is going to set some of y'all free. Failure is the productive part of success. You say, that sounds just, that just don't sound right. Could you imagine Thomas Edison? Depending on who you read, they say anywhere from seven to 10,000 times he failed in creating the incandescent light bulb. Could you imagine if that's, if he, well, it just ain't going to work. They came to him and he said, Mr. Edison, what do you do? I mean, 10,000 times you failed. He said, I didn't fail one time. I just successfully proved how it wouldn't work. Failure is the productive part of success. Let me put it this way. You know what failure is? It's a road you don't have to travel again. It's a turn you don't have to take again. It's a bridge you don't have to cross again. Been there, done that. Some of y'all are going to walk out of here and you're going to have that Ford moment where the light comes on. Ding! You say, Ford moment? Now you got to be old enough to remember the commercial. Ford had a better idea. Remember the light? Give somebody a high five. Say, I got it. I got, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Did you get it? Chris, did you get it? Okay. Failure is the productive part of success. 
But as we go back to Romans 8, I'm not going to read the passage, but I'm going to talk about that 38th verse where Paul said, death nor life can separate you. If you keep looking in this life as failure after failure after failure, you'll never win. Stop looking at what you didn't do. Get your eyes focused on what he has done. Because you can do the same thing. But here's the problem. Is we want it without a cost. Folks, in your notes, everything costs someone something. We have been inundated in this society with what I call entitlements. Now, I am known for my lack of political correctness. McDonald's is not a career, folks, unless you want to become a manager or an owner. So 15 bucks an hour or more, that might be fine and dandy, but it ain't real. Let me help you. Let me help you. You know what's sprouting up everywhere? Kiosks. Taking the place of your $15 an hour. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for it, folks. But you know what a career is? It, it's something like what, what, what Jack here does. This guy, this guy makes helicopters and airplanes fly. That, that's, that's a career. A career is something like what Matt, what uh, uh, Ryan back here does. He works for UPS. You can make a career out of that. How, what do you got about a year, two years back before your two years? And he's retired, full pay pen, or full pension, whatever it is. That's called a career. Folks, you can work at McDonald's until you die and not have a pension. They might give you a few free Big Macs, but that's it. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here. But, folks, the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. You want to take care of your family, you've got to focus on a career. And it's quiet in here. This is all free stuff, honey. This isn't even in my notes. No one gets a free ride. And this has seeped into the church. We think just because we're a Christian, that means God's going to take care of everything and I have to do nothing. Folks, this is not what God's Word teaches. The Bible says, could you imagine Abraham? Okay, God, you're going to make me the father of many nations? And then he never goes in and spends time with his wife? It don't just happen. Some of y'all are going to leave and say, did he say that in church? 
I remember at Victorious Life in California, I, I was pastoring there. We had this beautiful facility. It was, you know, I, and it was just, I mean, we just had a wonderful church. And all of a sudden, somebody came up to me and one day and they said, Pastor, we, we don't have a water fountain in the church. Now, we have a water fountain in this church. But I said, folks, we're not going to install a water fountain. And I said, they said, Pastor, why do we need a water fountain? I said, no. You install a water fountain, you start having babies. We installed the water fountain, and within six months, five women were pregnant. That's a true story, but that's not my point. My point is, folks, nothing happens without us doing something. Can somebody say amen? It is this entitlement society when we think that everything's going to be done for us, has seeped its way into the church. And we have turned God's grace into greasy grace. We think we're just going to slip into heaven because God did everything. Yes, Jesus paid the price. Yes, he took in, and all the suffering and the sin and all the different stuff that we had to deal with. He took it on Calvary. But he said, if you want to live, you got to die. And then if you die, you got to have resurrection power operating on your life. The price was paid, but you and I got to be willing to ride the way he said to ride. We have to. It's his way. It's his will. It's his word. I've had people do things over the years that was just contrary to God's word. And they wonder if God will bless it. No. Well, you know, it seems to be going okay. Folks, there's some other God in this world that blesses things. But his provision is limited. And it comes with a high price. You do things contrary to God's word, there's a price. It might not be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Well, I find it recorded in Ecclesiastes. Because the iniquity of man is not executed speedily, the heart of man is set to do evil. Because when we do contrary to God's word, and God's judgment doesn't fall, we think, must be okay. No. There's a law in God's Word. It's called the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest works like this. If me and, and Anthony here, we get out and we're planting a field. Now, depending on how you plant that field, you might get a, a dozen bushels, you might get 15, 30, 32 bushels is an awesome crop per acre. Him and I went out and we did a great job. We're, I mean, we, we did it correct. We got everything's in line. But, well, you know, we worked well this year. And we thought, well, we're going to kick back next year. Next year, oh, it didn't produce 32 bushels, but it got me about Oh, about 27. That's a pretty good year for doing nothing. Let's just kick back for another year. 
And you know what? You can do that for two or three years, and your harvest will still produce less and less and less until pretty soon you're thinking, well, God, did I do something wrong? Yeah, about five years ago. When you stop putting me first. You see, the law of the harvest works that if I do good today, I will reap good tomorrow. And if I don't do bad the next year, I still will reap of that good. And if I don't do bad, I'll still reap some more. But that just keeps diminishing until pretty soon it's gone. God, you failed me. Who failed who? See, God, in his word, says that everything costs. And what I learn in success, I've learned a lot from failure. The truth is, is we learn wisdom from failure much more than we do from success. Am I making sense this morning? We often discover what we'll do by discovering what we'll not do. Okay, I know if I don't keep planting, this crop is going to diminish year after year after year. I guess I need to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. The only person that never makes a mistake is generally the same person who never made a discovery. I want to take you into God's Word. Romans 8, 37. It's not on the screen. It says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and did what? He just loved us? Are you in your Bibles? He who loved us and what? And what? Gave himself for us? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? 8.37. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and what? What's it say? Did Jesus have to do something more than just say, I love you? He had to give himself. Why do we think that we can just say, I love you, God, and not give our lives? It's called entitlement. Well, he did everything, so why should I do anything? Am I making any sense today? He loved us and gave himself for us. John 3.16, let's all quote it together. For God so loved the world that he... Whoa, 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 whoa. Why didn't he just stop with love? Love makes the world go round. Love, love, love. Love, love. That's all you need. Well, I can tell you what. If I tell my wife I love her and never come home to her, never provide for her, never spend time with her, she's going to start wondering, does this dude love me? How many of you husbands know what I'm talking about? How many of you wives are shouting amen right now? 
For God so loved the world that he... Why do we think in the church it's any different? I can just come to church. I'm giving my hour on Sunday morning. Oh, let's go to your church, preacher. It's an hour and 30 minutes. I mean, my. But who's counting? Even the ones that aren't there. God gave. You see that word gave? That's part of faith. Faith is an action word. Let me take you to James chapter 4, or chapter 2, rather. It's on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, it's best to look in your Bible. Look what it says here. I'm reading on the New Living Translation. What good is it, dear brothers, if you tell your brother or sister, if if you say you have faith and you don't show it by your actions? You say, I love God, but I don't show it by my actions. What am I, I'm, I'm talking about this whole entitlement society that has creeped its way into the church. See, God said, if you're unable, I'm still able. Not a problem. But everything is going to cost someone something. Getting saved is free. Getting to heaven costs your life. Can that kind of faith save you? Look what it says here. How can I show faith without actions? Can that kind of faith save anybody? There's lots of us that know people call themselves Christians, but except they told you they were a Christian, you sure couldn't tell about the way they live. Now, I know that doesn't affect anybody in here, so don't anybody get upset. Think about it. How do you say you love without action? How do you say you have faith without action? Suppose your brother or sister has need of food or clothing, and you walk up to them and say, well, goodbye and have a good day, be warm and eat well. But then you don't give them any food or clothing. What good does it do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. You can say you love God all day long and still go to hell. Are you okay? Oh, I know. Stan, that's not popular preaching. But it is God's Word. Are we okay? God wants our words backed up by our actions. That's why the whole entitlement thing doesn't work. You've got to do something with your life. Now, please, if you work at McDonald's, don't get mad at me. It's a great place to start but it's not meant to be a career unless you're working up the chain to become management and own one. That's okay. Can't say amen, say oh me, say, yeah, okay. Faith by itself is not enough. 
unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Now, somebody be, might, might, might argue that, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, let me, uh, now someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. I've had people tell me, well, you know, my Christianity is private. I have a private faith. Give me chapter and verse on that, please. My Bible tells me if I will not confess him before men, if I will not live my life as a Christian before people, God said, I'm not going to confess you before my Father in heaven. Folks, this is God's word. I'm trying to help us. We are destined to win. But we're going to stand against hope at times where people are going to challenge you and you're going to struggle and you're going to have difficulties. And God says, you have to be able to stand in faith. Well, how do I know I'm standing in faith? When everything is falling apart, I'm still standing. It goes on here to say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? How can you tell me you love God if your life isn't showing that you love God? He said, you show me your faith without your deeds, I'll show you my faith by my deeds, by the life I live. If you say you have faith and you believe there is one God, okay, Look what it says. You say, I love God. I believe there's one God. He said, good for you. The devils believe that and they tremble. What about you? You say, Pastor, what is the point you're trying to make? Nobody's going to do this Christian life for you. Nobody's going to take care of you other than Jesus. And the only way he's going to do that is when you're sold, hook, line, and sinker. God, I'm yours. Pastor, how do I do that? Death? nor life can separate me. I have to die that in Him I can live. Am I making any sense this morning at all? Okay, this side of the auditorium has got it pretty good. This side over here isn't clapping, so I'm not sure. Okay, good. The rest of the church. He said the devils in hell believe and they tremble. And he ends with this statement, can't you see faith with out works is dead. If people can't see Christ in your life, if all you're doing is looking for a handout and not a hand up, if all you're doing is playing the victim and never coming to being the victor, your faith is dead and it needs some resurrection power. Can I say amen in the place today? Let me just real quick here. Uh, nothing, Calvin Coolidge made a statement Nothing in the world takes the place of persistence. Talent will not. Talent will not. 
There is nothing more common than successful, unsuccessful people with loads of talent. I remember when I was a young man and I was playing music and I was traveling all over the country, had my own band and I was traveling here. I was making lots of money. And I told people, people would tell me, say, why don't you go to Nashville? That's where you need to go, Nashville. And I said, folks, they got dishwashers in Nashville better than I ever hoped to be. There's nothing more common, folks, than unsuccessful people with great talent. Genius will not. You can be the smartest person in this church. You can know this Bible forward, backwards, upside down, inside out. And not make you a better Christian. Because it's all about living the life that he died to give you. Genius, unrewarded genius. Calvin Coolidge says almost a proverb. Education. We live in an education town. We live in a town with a a massive college, university. You know how many people... Go to that university year after year after year after year and still can't find a job. I've had people over the years say, well, Pastor, uh, I, I don't get this job or that job because it's not in my educational expertise. Well, you're going to be going hungry then, aren't you? This is why we have this whole minimum wage fiasco that we have. Education. The world is full of educated fools. Persistence and determination. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. It's time to rise up, suit up, and say, okay, devil, time to man up, woman up. But here's the difficulty. We're so consumed with somebody else doing it for us. This whole entitlement mentality. There are people that will sucker people in to taking care of you or them their whole lives. Until people realize, what am I doing? Why aren't they taking care of themselves? Let me, I talked about higher education. Can I ask you something about higher education? I've never understood a career student. And please, if you're here, just hear me, and you happen to be one of those people that's taken a dozen years to get a four-year degree. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to get in trouble one of these days, aren't I? Okay. Okay, let me just, Chris, am I doing Okay. This Chris, that Chris. I got Chris up here in front. I got Chris behind you. Huh? Yeah, I thought, you know. Ten years, three degrees. Praise the Lord. Now, my 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 uh, my uh, high school diploma took me 12 years. Now, I know some of you all saying me too, but the reality is it took me 12 years after I quit high school in 10th grade. 
12 years later, I got my GED. Are you all okay with a pastor with a GED? Well, folks, this pastor got G-O-D, so we're okay. Now, I've got, I got my second master's degree, you know, many years after that. You say, your second? You got two masters? Yeah, I was born with one, Tim Masters. Yeah, second. Was that okay, Valerie? No, that wasn't a good one. Okay. And then I got, you know, I got my bachelor's, my master's, and my doctorate, and all the, I got all kinds of degrees by my name. But none of those degrees took the place of G-O-D. That's who I focused my life on. I was persistent. I was determined. And today, I'm still persistent and still determined. But whatever happened to our ability to grow ourselves, to think for ourselves, to figure out things for ourselves? Why is it that I have to go to church to get any direction in life? Now, don't get me wrong. You need to go to church. The Bible tells us to go to church. But the direction that I come in is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have to have my pastor tell me what to do or another Christian tell me what to do. God's Word will tell me what to do. We have to learn to think for ourselves. If we don't learn to think for ourselves, we'll be in bondage to those who will think for us because our ability to mature is now hindered when God wants us to grow in Him. They came out of bondage and God said, okay, guys, you're ready to get back on track? My plans haven't changed. I have the same plans for you now as I had then. Do you know the day you gave your life to Jesus, he has plans for you then? He has the same plans for you now. And if Romans 8.31 is a true statement, then you and I have to persistently and determinedly stay on that passage. It says, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God's Word is true and I persistently and determinedly stay, then I'll find 118 of the book of Psalm to be accurate that said, if the Lord is on my side, why am I afraid of mankind? What am I afraid that man can do? And if Psalm 118 is an accurate word and I am persistent and determinedly set on my face with Jesus Christ, then I will make Philippians 4, 13, a part of my life that says, I can do all things through Christ who is going to give me the strength. So nothing can stop me. Folks, Jesus paid the price. So I victoriously could live this life. You say, Pastor, it's not that easy. Folks, it is easy as pie to live a Christian life. Oh, I'm not saying that it's not easy to reject the things that we want to do. But to live a Christian life, he paid the price. He won. He won. 
You say, Pastor, give me something really easy. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. One verse in the whole Bible. You base your life on that one verse, you will live a victorious Christian life. The verse says very simply, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That is how you live a life of faith. That is how you live a victorious Christian life. You say, Pastor, can you make it even more simple? Sure. I like simple. I'm simple. I don't do things too deep. So here it is. Broke down very simple. Do right before God who is our source. That's what it means to do justly. You know that you're not the source. You know that you're not the provider. You know that you can't overcome anything without Christ. So if you're going to do justly, you're going to do righteously, you're going to do uh, correctly, you're going to say, God, everything I do is before you. So do right before God. That's how you do justly. How do you love mercy? You do right before your neighbor. Yeah, but my neighbor isn't very good. Well, you look in the mirror lately? Folks, all of us deserve what God didn't give us because we took him as our Lord and Savior. Do justly, do right before God. Love mercy, do right before your neighbor. Okay, I think I'm getting it. Well, how do I walk humbly? Know that you're going to give account for the life that you're living. That'll keep you walking humbly every day. That'll keep you walking. When you think of yourself more highly than you ought, you know you're in trouble. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. If God is for us and no one can be against us, then I have to ask you the question, what or who can hinder us besides us? Proverbs 13 or 23, 17, or 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, if you read that in context, we're talking about a, a man that was playing a false friend, that was playing a false provider. It said the man is thinking very selfishly. Well, here's the picture. Narcissism incarnate, a man thinking in his heart. That's exactly the way he is. You want to find out what's in a man's heart, just follow his feet. I'm going to make a statement, and this is a critical statement. I left it in your notes, and it's going to be on the screen. I want you to hear this, please. Every child of God needs to realize. See it on your screen? Every child of God needs to realize that what he or she believes, remember, believe is an action word, ultimately affects the attitude that motivates and eventually leads to the success or the failure of that Christian's life. Faith without works. If I think I can live for God without living for God, I'm guaranteed to fail. If I think I can love God without doing something, I'm guaranteed to fail. We have to realize. Let me take you back into the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 18. Look what it says here. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. How many get around Christians that talk worse than some sinners? Well, pastor, it's just the culture we're in. It's just, well, yeah, most of us going to hell. Are you going too? 
why, why, why is it okay for Christians to use the F word? Why is it okay for Christians to use GD and JC in non-reverential terms? Well, GD, you couldn't do it reverentially, but Jesus Christ, you can. Why? Why? Life and death. The Bible says from the abundance of the heart, we are destined to win. Why aren't we living like it? But listen to it. Who is bringing the judgment on themselves? How many have ever sat back and said, I can't do this? God said you can, but you say you can't. Wives can't get through this. God said you can, but you say you can't. Life and death are in the power of the... Do you know we can confess ourselves right out of victory? Let me read that same passage in another translation. Look what it says here. Words kill or words give life. They can be poison or fruit. It's our choice. You see, I'm going to confess that I'm destined to win. Well, pastor, you uh, positive confession, there you go. I'm not talking about positive confession. You know why? My feet are going to follow the same confession. I'm destined to win, so I'm going to live like a winner. I'm destined to win, so I'm going to live victorious. I'm destined to win. Even when the devil beats me down, I'm going to have to say, devil, is that all you got? And then God's going to come on and say, come on, son, I'm lifting you back up. Can somebody get excited in God's house? They're poison or fruit. You choose. You say, Pastor, it's not that easy. Second Corinthians chapter 8. All God says you got to do is be willing. If the willingness is there, God said it may be a little, it may be a lot. If you're just willing, I'll get you there. And you say, well, but I'm willing. Not in word only, but in life. The Scripture says we can do all things. There's so many people that don't know that they can have not and still have. You may be down at your lowest point. And God said, will you give me what you have? As the worship team comes, will you give me what you have? Remember the widow woman with the two little mites? Multitudes were given riches and glory. And God said, that little woman gave me everything. She gave more than anybody because she gave me all she had. That's all God wants. He just wants all you have. Well, it's not much. doesn't need to be much. You say, well, pastor, if my life isn't what it should be, What do I do about it? You just answered your question. I do something about it. Folks, I, I know I went on the minimum wage thing and I went 
a little politically incorrect. But let me just say something. If you're not making enough money on your job, get a different job. Or do better on your job, that they pay you more. Well, pastor, I can't find a job. That is a crock of you-know-what. I was just talking to one of the gentlemen in our church this morning. They got four openings at their company. And I said, Pastor, I said, what's the deal? He said, people don't want to work. They want it given to them. We've got business owners in this church that are trying to hire. Pastor, what's this got to do with Christianity? Everything. Jesus gave his all. He's waiting for us to do the same. If you can't get along, then it's time to get along. Nobody's going to do it for you. Well, Pastor, Jesus died. That's right. And he's waiting for you to die too. If you need a job, I've got a half a dozen people in this church right now that are trying to find employees. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? Work. And you know what they hear? Well, we make more on welfare. I don't think this is going to be in my top ten sermons, honey. We are destined to win. But folks, most of the time, the reason we don't win, live like a winner is because we're not living like a winner. We're expecting everybody else to do something for me. Jesus did all he, could, he was going to do 2,000 years ago. And now he said, what are you going to do about it? We are destined to win. It's time to live that way. Jeremiah 29, 11, up on the screen, says, I know the plans I have for you. God didn't change his plans. He said, but what are you going to do? Are you ready to not get yourself into where you were in before? If you are, I'll give you hope and a future. But if you want to do it again, I've got another Babylon just around the corner. They'd be more than happy to let you in. And they might take care of you. Oh, it'll cost you a whole lot more than letting me take care of you. Your past matters not. God has a great future plan. Just for you. But you got to get on board. you got to say, God, you won. And you, I win. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to live it. Oh, I'm going to go through it, but I'm going to live it.
while I'm in it. Does that make any sense this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand. God, even the guy that wins the marathon, he has to run better than everybody else on those how many ever miles it is. The guy that wins the derby has to run faster. There's a lot of work. The guy that wins the battle has to work harder and smarter than the guy that lost. Now, God, in you, we have been guaranteed to win. But God is in you. Life can't separate us. Death can't separate us. Only we can separate us. Help us, God, to be on the right train. The train that you're driving. The train of glory. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to look at me just real quick. Where are you? Is it just basically one pothole to the next? Is it one struggle to the next? Is it one difficulty to the next? Jesus died that you could win. But you got to fight. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to step in that He can do what He wants to do. He can't do it without you. We are destined to win. But we have to begin to live like the winners. He died to make us. Does that make sense? Let's all stand to our feet. There's a song that we sing. God wants to set a fire in our lives. God wants to set a fire in our souls. And that fire can burn us up for His glory or burn us out in the struggles of life. It's our choice. So I want you to sing as Heather leads us and let's just see what God wants to do for each of us. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.